God, you are good. Good, 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 Lord. And Father, we thank you for just every bit of what we get to do, Lord, the privileges that we have, Father. And Lord, we are uh, not unaware, Father, of the freedom that we have here in America, Lord, to come together to worship your name, Lord. And we don't want to take that for granted, Father. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and our sisters, Lord, in countries like China and Iran and so many places in the world, Lord, where they have to meet in secret. Father, would you bless them today? God, would you just be uh, in the midst of their time together, Lord God, and however long it took them to get there, would you give them safety, Father, but would you just make it sweet, God, for them, just such a sweet time. And Lord, I pray the same for us, Father. We're opening your word, God. Would you, would you open it to us, Lord? Would you open our eyes and our ears, Lord, to hear what you have to say, to see the words, Lord, on the page, but Father, to see them more deeply than just being words printed on the page, God. Lord, we're here to hear from you. So, Father, get me out of the way, I pray. Lord, we want you to speak today, God. And so that's what we're asking for, God. Holy Spirit, please move. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we left off two Sundays ago, you guys remember, in Matthew chapter 10, and we, we were looking at Jesus sending out the 12 disciples, right? This is the first of like two times that we see in the Gospels where he sends folks out. Right, And I want to make a clarifying remark here because I feel like I'm supposed to. Two weeks ago, I mentioned that Jesus fed 50,000. I was exaggerating a bit. <laughs> I listened to the message and I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> so it was 5,000 <laughs> men. I have no clue why I said that. I know scripture real good. You guys, ah, oh, geez. So anyway, that's that. So we left off. He was sending out the 12 into the harvest, Right. And we saw that this specific time, he was only sending them to the Jews, right? And we talked about the fact that the Jews understood. They were the ones waiting for the Messiah. They would understand the statement, hey, the kingdom of God is here. They would understand that, right? If you went to a Gentile and you're like, the kingdom of God is here, they'd be like, what does that mean, right? So like in this particular context, at this moment, we see that that's what he's doing. But we're going to read today that that wasn't all he was saying. But remember that by saying to the disciples and sending them out and having them say to people that the kingdom of God is here, that was a radical statement. He was saying, I am the Messiah. And you remember, we talked last week and two weeks ago about the fact that Jesus either was the son of God, he was God in flesh on the earth who died and rose again for our sins, or he was an absolute lunatic and there is not an in-between. And so here we see Jesus continuing to tell the 12 disciples what's before them before they, before they leave. So let's read verse 16, starting in verse 16 of chapter 10. It says this, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. You guys got it? Awesome. All right, let's go home. <laughs> guys, he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You guys realize that Jesus wasn't pulling punches, right? He wasn't being like, well, you're, you're like sheep and you're going out amongst, you know, some nasty sheep, right? You're, you're like sheep and you're going out in the midst of just, you know, slightly hungry animals. No, he said, you're going out amongst wolves. We were just talking Today, someone, some of us were talking about the fact that in Idaho, 
they, in their infinite wisdom, they being humanity, in their infinite wisdom, loves to say, well, we need to fix this problem of all the elk always starving to death because the population is so high. So they brought in Canadian wolves. Canadian wolves will just eat everything and devour everything in front of them, and they're huge. They're ridiculously huge. So now guess what new hunting season is available? <laughs> Wolf season, because all the wolves have come in and just annihilated everything. What's my point? That's what wolves do. They devour. That's their job. That's what they like to do. And so he wasn't pulling punches. He was saying, you're going to go and you're going to face persecution. That's what's ahead of you. And I want to kind of point out something. Notice he said they're the sheep, so they're not the aggressive animal in this scenario. And I think that's an important thing for us. But I want to say something else. Even though they were not the aggressive animal, they were the advancing army that Jesus sent. And I love that Jesus uses words and speaks in ways that are like, wait, what? So what's he saying? He's saying these disciples that he was sending out, they were his apostles. They were the ones that were going forth in the name of Jesus. They were the advancing army, and yet they were going out as sheep in the midst of wolves. These 12 are going to go take ground in spite of the fact that they were sheep. It's definitely odd. And they definitely had wolves in front of them. And I would say even now there are still definitely wolves in front of us, right? But I want to say something here to us. Jesus didn't just let them be comfortable and tell them it was okay not to go, did he? He didn't. He sent them. He sent them anyway. And I think it's important for us, guys, to kind of get our heads around the fact that we are sheep going out amongst wolves, and we don't have permission to say, nah, I'm comfortable. I'm not going. I like my pen. I like my pasture. The grass is very good here, <laughs> right? Like, I chew on it, and I like it. I don't want to go anywhere. No, we don't have that option. You guys, there's a, a statement by Spurgeon that I love. It says this, the mission of sheep to wolves is a hopeful one. Since we see in the natural world that the sheep, though so feeble, by far outnumber the wolves who are so fierce. That is an awesome statement, isn't it? So what's he say? He says, here we are, sheep amongst wolves. We know there are plenty of wolves out there. But the truth is, guys, is that we as the church are very large. And that speaks of two things to me. Number one, this is important. Church is important, guys. Why? Well, if you are a lone black sheep and you're out on your own, the wolves will eat you, I promise. And if you think otherwise, go and find somebody that says, oh, you know, like I walked away once and ask them how that went for them. It does not ever go well. So this is important. This time here together is very important. But guess what? You are not called to just live here, right? We don't set up, we don't tear the chairs down and set cots up when church is over so everybody can take a nappy. We go out into the world and we live and we do our thing and we work and we do all that stuff. And so you are a sheep going out amongst wolves, but this time together is very important. He says when you do go out, that you're supposed to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. Be wise as serpents. Do you realize that snakes will 99% of the time slither away from danger? 
That's what they do. They go and hide. My wife and I were walking in Idaho one time and I took a step and then my father-in-law right after me took a step and then Grace went to take a step and we heard, we heard the rattle and I looked down and like we had both just stepped right over a rattlesnake and, and he was, you know, not happy about that. So he, he was not happy and mad and then eventually he slithered away. But the truth is, is that they're not going to attack unless they really have to. They feel they have to, right? Typically. They're sly, they're sneaky. And so the truth is, is that what's he saying? He says, be as wise as serpents. But the thing that comes to mind, at least in my mind, and maybe it comes to your mind, is why do we have sin in this world? Well, a key component of that was the serpent in the garden. That's not what he's saying, right? He isn't saying like, be sly, like be sneaky and lie your way out of things and make sure that you're doing everything you can to, to be one up above everybody and make sure. No, that's not what he's getting at. What he's saying is, is that a snake in the wild will typically try their best to avoid danger. That's what he's getting at. Be wise. Be smart. Right? They, they could do this by what? By being pure and innocent. You guys see that? Pure and innocent. Why? Well, because wisdom would dictate that we would need to be crafty. Does that make sense? So... In other words, there's a lot of times, and I know in my military career, where people would ask me questions, and you know how the Holy Spirit will just give you something in your heart, and you'll be like, you actually want that answer. But then there were other times when it was like, you don't want an answer, you just want to argue. Stuff like that is what we're talking about here. Be wise. Be wise. Don't just jump into every discussion just because, you know, every theological debate, everything, right? Keep the focus where it's supposed to be, on Jesus and on what he did, period, if they want to talk about speaking in tongues, well, why do they care if they don't believe in Jesus? What does that mean? Nobody cares. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about Jesus. If they want to talk about, you know, Calvinism versus Arminianism, well, I, you know what my answer to that is? I don't know. Right? Let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> like, why? Right? And I think these are the type of arguments that happen sometimes that are of no value if the person is not a believer. I'm not saying those conversations aren't of value. I'm saying they're not of value out in the world where you're dealing with wolves. It says they're supposed to be harmless as doves. What does a dove do? Think about it. A dove is about the most harmless. I mean, seriously, the worst thing a dove can do is poop on you, <laughs> right? And that, they'll be like, oh, sorry, <laughs> right? And keep flying away. They're not trying to do that, right? <laughs> like they're the most harmless animal you can think of. So they're supposed to be harmless and I love it. I love it. Here, this, there's this word in Greek that's used for harmless called akairos, and it means unmixed or innocent. And I want to look at this because this word is only used two other places in all of Scripture, specifically, obviously, in the New Testament because that was written in Greek, so it would be the only opportunity for it to be used. But anyway, Philippians 2, 14 through 15 is the first place, but we're going to look at Romans. So flip over to Romans with me. Chapter 16, starting in verse 17. Says this. Says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly and by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has become known to all. 
Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple, or this word, unmixed or innocent, concerning evil. This word here is translated simple, but the sense of the word, and why I wanted to read this passage is, the idea is, is that we have an easygoingness about us. We're easygoing. We're not, you know, flummoxed and all worked up about every little thing. You guys know people in churches that are like that, that are not easygoing, that are flummoxed by every little thing, right? I know people that are like, man, we are going to boycott anything that comes against what we believe. And I'm like, okay, maybe, but I like Coca-Cola, so I drink it. I don't care what they're doing, uh, like, right? Like, I like Disney films, so I watch them. I really don't care what they're doing. And if I'm wrong, then forgive me, but, like, that's what I believe. I, I, I find that there should be an easygoingness in, in the way we go about life, right? We're not here looking for reasons to stand up and fight. The idea is, is that we're looking for ways and, and way, open doors to speak about Christ. That's our job. Man, if that's our focus, well, then drink your Coca-Cola and don't worry about what they're doing. Right? No? <laughs> Everyone's looking at me like, I'm boycotting Coke too. <laughs> you guys, a life that is harmless as a dove is one that recognizes that God is in control. I want you to think about that. If we are going to be easygoing, do you know where that stems from? It's not from listening to a lot of Grateful Dead and really like just chilling out, dude, right? It's not from anything other than God in us. It's, it's from the Holy Spirit. It's from a recognition that like, you know, what we really believe is that God is actually in control. He's sovereign over everything. And if that is true, well, then I can look at the world and say it is literally going to hell in a handbasket, which is what I think. But I also can say my job is not to point out how it is going to hell in a handbasket. My job is to say, I know the way out of this crap. I know the way away from this garbage. Amen. That's the point. Do you understand? And I, I'm a little bit kind of sad because I find so often in the church today, not this church, just the church, universally, that we're so hyper-focused on all these things that are literally, let's call it what it is, sin, and and the fact is, is like, we are all sinners, right? Nobody here is perfect. I'm definitely not. And so, look, we're not walking around saying, like, everything's okay. Come on in. It doesn't matter. No, it does matter. Sin matters. Jesus paid a very terrible price on the cross for that sin. But the fact is, is that he is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to eternal life. He is the only way that we have any peace, any easygoingness in our life. And so, why would we walk around any other way? And I'm preaching to myself, you guys. I really am. I was preparing this message and I came across something that really bothered me. I'm not going to say what it was. But I had to sit there and pray through and be like, God, give me an easygoing heart on this because I don't like this. I really don't like this. Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was sex trafficking, which I don't think anybody likes. But it bothers me. It bothers me. And they caught an entire ring of people that were doing this. And, and I'm not going to lie to you. I wanted to go and punch them in the face. But I'm like, they need you, Jesus. They need you as much as anybody else needs you. 
So I'm not acting like I've got all this figured out. I'm just saying, man, where is our heart in all this? Where is our heart? And so it was just another opportunity for me to repent and say, Lord, help me. This dirty, nasty heart needs changing. It needs cleaning. I want you to also notice that the attitude that they had, this harmless attitude, was not a mixture of human cunning and Holy Spirit direction. Because I think when sometimes when you read this verse, a lot of people want to say that. They're like, I'm supposed to be wise as a serpent. So I'm going to use every little facet of my knowledge and my street smarts and all that. And like, yeah, God may use those things. We see Paul, who was a Roman citizen, going and being beaten and then being like, you just beat a Roman. You realize that, right? And they were like, whoa, right? And so he got himself out of things. But that's not the point, right? Because his heart wasn't to be like before they even beat him. Hey, you can't do that. Do you notice that? He suffered the beating first. Now, I'm not saying anything. I'm saying the idea is here is that we're following the Holy Spirit's direction only. That's it, period. It's unmixed and innocent following of the Holy Spirit, period. How do we do that? Because the truth is, is that's not an easy thing, is it? it? We all have sin natures. We all have trouble hearing what God's speaking to us, don't we? But can I tell you the ways that I know God's word says is be in his word. Spend time in it. Hang out with God. Hang out with him. If you're married here, and this is a really good little gauge, if you were married here, if you're married or if you're dating someone here, can I encourage you in something? If you were to treat your significant other the same way you treat God, what would that look like? That's a, usually a good gauge for me, right? I'd be like, oh, dude, Lord, forgive me. You know? So it's one of those things. You spend time with the Lord. You spend time in prayer. You spend time one with another. That is the way we grow and learn. It's not about putting forth effort on our part other than to be in church, other than to spend time in his word, other than to spend time with him, right? I want to give us a clear understanding of that because it's so basic, guys, but I, I keep hearing, and recently I've been hearing this idea of like, I've got to work harder on this. I've got to work harder on that. I can be guilty of that too. And it's so interesting because I work on my marriage in the sense that I spend time with my wife and I love on my wife and I try to do nice things for my wife, like the dishes and, you know, wonderful, amazing things. But the truth is, is I'm not thinking at the end of the night, like, oh, I got to work harder tomorrow. Oh, geez. I don't sit there and do that. What I do is I get up and I try to to do better next time. And that's exactly what God's, a relationship with God is like. Don't let the enemy sell you a bill of goods. It's, It's all on you because it's not. It's not. So we walk around, we're, okay, we're through one verse. Let's flip back over. I got to speed this up. We're only going through five verses today, guys. Let's see how long it takes. Verse 17 says this, but beware of men for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogue. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to who? The Gentiles. That word there, beware of men, that word actually could be translated beware of humans, right? It's, it's not just men. It's men and women. It's everybody, humanity. Beware of humans, for they will deliver you up to councils, scourge you in their synagogues, and you will be brought before governors and kings for my sake. Why? To be a testimony to the Jews and the Gentiles. 
That's awesome. It's awesome, and it's absolutely terrifying if you were a disciple. Because he was saying, you're only going to the Jews this time. So what did he mean by that? He means that in the future, you're going to go out again to the Gentiles. Like, your job's not done after this one trip, fellas. You know, you got more on your plate than what, what you see at the moment. That's what he's pointing to. And praise God that he's pointing to it, right? Because without that, we would, most of us would be lost unless you're a Jew here. I'm so thankful that God saw fit to do that. And so we see here that it's not lost on Jesus, even though, yes, this particular time, he said, only go to the Jews. We see right there that that wasn't the entirety of his thought. It was just the moment that they were in. So he's sending out the 12. He's telling them what the future held. And he was saying that eventually they're going to be sent out to the whole world. And I want us to take a moment and think about it. So flip over with me to the book of Luke in chapter 14. Because remember in Matthew what he just said. You're going to be sent out to the people, those wolves that are before you. You're going to be scourged. You're going to be set before people of leadership, right? People in governmental leadership, people above you. And you're not going to be treated well. That's what he was saying. So let's read chapter 14 in Luke, starting in verse 26. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has had enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able to, with 10,000 to meet those who come against him with, with 20,000? Or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple." Jesus was not playing around here. He wasn't playing around. And people like to minimize these scriptures and kind of be like, well, you know, what he really means is, and, and there is a level of that for sure. He doesn't mean literally you have to hate your entire family in order to follow him. What he means is literally that Jesus, God, is more important than anybody else, including yourself, by the way. Yeah. Right? Like you're, you're on that list too. I'm on that list too. That's what he's saying. Let's, let's stop for a moment and think about that because we, most of us, I have areas of my life that's, that's not true in. Most of us do not live that way. And I want to talk about the fact that what fire would come out from the Lord through our lives if we actually really walked that out. If we said, yeah, God, you are it. You're it. You're it above what my family thinks. You're it, Lord. If you call me away to another state and my family doesn't like it, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Wow. Right? Like there's all these things that we can do and think about that people, I've had people say to me like, oh, I'd never do that. Why? Well, my family's here. Okay. Yeah. I love my family from a distance. So it really worked out well. <laughs> Whenever he was like, come up here, I'm like, sweet. Right? 
No, they know that you guys, you're going to be, my grandparents watched last week, and so they know. I've told them that before. But you guys, the truth is, is that what Jesus is telling the people here is that there will be a cost. Not there could be a cost. There will be a cost. There will be a cost. For us, there will be a cost. You may lose friends. You may lose the wonderful, amazing house that you love because you're supposed to move somewhere else. You may lose your life. Have we all counted the cost? Because I will say this. this these words that Jesus is speaking here to these disciples and to us fly in the face of the health and wealth teaching that we so often hear today. Doesn't it? Oh, Jesus wants us for you to have a Lamborghini and great health right? You're supposed to be an 80-year-old that looks like you're 20. It's ridiculous. And it goes totally against everything that Jesus said. So let's be real. Let's look at what scripture says and say, man, God, you're more important than even I am. So what do you want me to do? You guys, I was telling Sam earlier that like we, the whole goal for this year is to take ground. And it's interesting to me because I can tell you something. I didn't pick the book of Matthew because I'm like, oh yeah, it's only going to have those type of messages in it. I picked Matthew because I felt like we're supposed to go to Matthew. Right before Pastor Jim announced to the whole congregation that he was leaving and that I was taking over the church, he had asked me to teach Wednesday nights and I had come across Joshua. And I was like, I think I'm supposed to teach Joshua. Well, guess what Joshua's about? The change of leadership. Do you understand how cool God is? How awesome it is if we're just willing to listen? Because you know what book I wanted to do? I wanted to do a different book. I didn't want to do Judges. I wanted to do a different book. I wanted to do one of the Kings or one of the Chronicles. I didn't actually want to do this. I wanted to do one of Paul's letters. But whenever you're following what God has, do you understand how cool it is? Because it's literally what God wanted to speak. And I love it. The reward of following after Christ is so much more than this short little blip on the radar life that we have. It's absolutely worth the cost. Verse 19 says this, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. When they deliver you up, do not worry. Do not worry about how or what to speak. You guys, do not worry. Does that resonate at all? Back to like, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear when I send you out. Don't even worry about it, right? Jesus said, I don't have a place to lay my head. That's okay. I don't think Jesus ever lost any sleep unless he chose to. Right? Like he wasn't like sitting there fretting. Jesus rested. You know, we were watching this thing last night about this art thing in Boston. I don't know if you know this, but in Boston, the biggest art heist ever happened in Boston. And they stole this Rembrandt that was um, on the Sea of Galilee. And in this painting, there was all the disciples freaking out, stressed out. And this wave was hitting the boat. And it was like, looked like the boat was about to tip over, right? And they're like over there. And there's two of the disciples. And they're like shaking Jesus sort of. And Jesus is like, (laughs) right? He's like super chill, (laughs) you know? And it's like, you could, I, I don't know, Rembrandt, it's an amazing work. I understand why it was 
so ama- it's amazing to look at it because here's Jesus and you can see it in the painting, the chaos, the absolute anxiety, not just anxiety, the absolute like chaotic fear in the eyes of all the disciples. And Jesus is like, what's up? You know, it's, it's, it's important when Jesus says these things, he means it. Do not worry about your food. Do not worry about the clothes you're going to wear. God will take care of this. Guys, do not worry about the things that you're supposed to say. Do not worry. Listen, when we're here at the church and I'll say to people, hey, did you introduce yourself to the folks over there? They're new. And they're like, I, I, I don't know what that is. Do not worry about what to speak. Go do it. Do it. Step out. Again, this is a safe place. If you forget people's names, they won't hate you. It'll be okay. Nobody laughed except you. Anyway, (laughs) maybe they do. I don't know. (laughs) But the truth is, is that we shouldn't be worried about all these things. And when Jesus says this, he means it. So again, who's in charge of our life, God or us? Because when we have that anxiety, and listen, I'm not minimizing anxiety. I get anxiety, right? Like, it's a real thing. I get it. What I'm getting at, though, is is that the heart of it is, is that in that anxiety, in those moments, we should be like, God, take this away. God, help me. God, I need you. Right? He's, He's here. And listen, that's another reason we need to be here is because guess what? If I've got fear and anxiety, I call my brother Steve. If I've got fear and anxiety, I call my brother Nate. I call Sam. I call these people and I say like, man, I'm, I'm freaking out about this. Can you pray with me about this? Right? So again, I'm not up here acting like I've got it all figured out and that my life is just total amazingness. It's not. But the reality is, is that when I read his word, I say, man, I want that, Lord. That's the truth. And so he says here, do not worry about how or what to speak. The Holy Spirit will speak through you. Just so you know, I don't take this verse. I've heard a pastor one time say this, and I thought that was totally wrong, is that he's like, I don't worry at all. I don't really even study. I just get up here and do it. No, I study my face off. So don't worry about that. I'm actually studying, okay? That's not what they're getting at. What he's getting at is, listen, if you're in caught in a position where you find yourself in an argument that you didn't realize was coming, like we talked about earlier, well, don't worry about it. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And that might be easy words like, I'm not gonna talk about this right now. That could be the Holy Spirit. Or maybe he's going to just blast your mind full of information. How often do you guys get it where someone's like, man, I really am having this trouble. And God, the first thing he does is he starts throwing scripture into your mind. Well, how's that come? Well, because you study it. You spend time with him. The more you study it, the more it comes up. And listen, I've been a pastor. And one of the things I told my theology professor one time is that, I st- look, I've got tabs in my Bible because I can't memorize the books of the Bible. I just can't. So it's not about that. It's about being able to get to the information you need. Do you understand? We all have Google, right? Listen, I use my phone a lot. What's that verse about that? Oh yeah, type it in. There it is. Galatians, you know? (laughs) Let's not be afraid to use the things. Let's humble ourselves a little bit and recognize that we don't need all of this memorized. We don't need it. But I promise you, God will put the things in your mind that you do need. He's going to take care of it, period. Do we trust him that much? We can. So in conclusion, I want to say this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Nothing changes. So when he was speaking to his disciples and revealing this hard truth that yes, when you go out into the world, you will be persecuted, we don't have the luxury of looking at those statements academically and saying like, oh, that was true for them. No, we don't. Like, it's the truth. It applies to all of us. And we need to recognize that because we are being sent out as an army of sheep among wolves. The question for us to me is this, is do we have the courage to obey his voice and leave the safety of the pasture? Do we have the courage to do that? Because I promise you guys that it is worth it. The adventure that awaits us awaits us outside of these four walls. That's where the adventure is. In here, in here's the work of digging into God's word is the work of singing off key to the worship songs at the top of your lungs, trusting and knowing that when you get to heaven, you will have a very amazing voice, right? That won't crack when you sing at the top of your lungs, right? But that's, that's the work that we do here. The work here is to serve one another so that we get used to this idea of service and we serve out in the world, that's the job here. But this is safe. It's a safe place. And I would encourage you, if you're not serving here, serve. Because it is a safe place. And it's an amazing opportunity to learn. But the truth is, the whole idea of this, all of this, is so that we are prepared and ready to go out into the world where the wolves are. Amen. The adventure awaits. And the truth is, is that we as Christians, I think, are far too often like hobbits that see no good reason for an adventure. <laughs> i got two questions for you. Who here has ever read, read the book, The Hobbit? All right, you score more points. <laughs> Who here has ever seen the movies, The Hobbit? Yeah, right? So you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Bilbo was like not wanting to do an adventure. And then he, got, he had to go on this adventure. And I don't know if you guys have ever read The Lord of the Rings, but then he comes back and he's like, it's time for an adventure. And they're all like, these bagginses, right? All the other hobbits are all mad at him because he was such a freak compared to them. But the truth is, is that I feel like too many people in the church want to be hobbits. They just want to stick around in the shire and never go, wow. never move. They're like, Sunday's great, right? I, you can't ask me to come to a Wednesday night. I already do Sunday, <laughs> Right? So the truth is, is that we're, they're content with knowing God. They're content with staying in the safety of the Shire or the church. And they just want to talk about Jesus with other Jesus followers, which is awesome. I'm not, do I'm not dogging it out. It's awesome. But it's not the goal. It's not the heart of what Jesus has for us. The truth is, is that for people that want to be hobbits, they wouldn't dare talk about Jesus at school or at work or to their extended family, would they? Why? Because that's uncomfortable. That might lead to an argument. That might lead to someone actually wanting to know Jesus. <gasps> what does that mean? How do we do that? You say, do you want to pray with me? Let's pray. Let's, let's do what the word says, which is believe in our hearts and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Let's do that together. I have a brother here that we just had the opportunity to do that this week, and it was so cool. Answered a few questions, and it was like, hey, do you, do you want to know, come, come to know Jesus? And he's like, yeah. And so we stopped walking and prayed together, and it was amazing. It's such a blessing to be able to do that stuff. And do you know how that happens? Because that brother was willing to have conversations with his coworker about Jesus. That's all it takes. God moves. We just open our mouths. We scatter seed. So I'm asking again, 
Do we at Great Bay Calvary have the courage to step out, to take ground as we've been called to do? Because the fact is, is that the adventure that we're going to be on is greater and more fulfilling and also scary and unknown. It's more of, it's more of all that. It's, it's greater, it's more fulfilling than a life just lived in the Shire, but it's also way more scary and way more unknown because we are going out amongst wolves. But I'll tell you this, it's better than anything we'll ever do with our tiny, short, little lives that we live. So what is Jesus calling us to do? To step out in obedience. To remember, guys, that we are not called to win arguments. We're called to scatter seed. We're not called even to fight battles on God's behalf. We're not. We're called to be sheep. Sheep aren't out there like, you know, going out and like trying to attack everybody. Hi-ya! <laughs> That's not what sheep do. Sheep just go out and bat each other and talk, right? They just do what they're supposed to do. We're called to scatter seed and watch God bear fruit through it. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do. And when we get caught or stuck, and listen, in America, we don't even understand what that means, really. We really don't. But when we get caught, we answer with innocence and purity, and we don't ever minimize who Jesus is in our lives, right? The good news that he died and rose again, that's the most important piece. If we don't minimize that, what other answer is there? You don't need to be a theologian. You don't need to have it all figured out. What you do need to know is that Jesus resides inside of you. That's the point. And finally, I want to say this. We don't ever really understand right now in America what even the disciples, not even just a little portion of what the early disciples dealt with. We don't understand what a Chinese Christian or an Iranian Christian or a Northern African Christian deals with. We don't. We have missionary friends in Northern Africa, and you know what? They have nicknames for all the people that have come to Christ, and their nicknames are things like virus because that person's parents told them that you're like a sick virus to this whole Muslim family, and you need to leave, and they've never talked to them since. We have another one that's nicknamed fire, because he said he wants to be the fire of the gospel in the entire Muslim community that he lives in. Guys, do we understand? We don't even understand. But can I tell you something? Let's step out in the freedom that we have here, and more importantly, in the freedom of Christ. We're called to step out and take ground and not worry what we're going to say or how we're going to react or how they're going to react to us. We trust God to give us everything we need when we need it. Amen? Yeah. Let's pray. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Great Bay Calvary Church in Dover, New Hampshire. We're so glad you found us. If you want to learn more about our services or need prayer for something going on in your life, come connect with us at greatbaycalvary.com.